0: When people are covetous of other people's stuff, you know what it causes? Insecurity. Because you don't have something somebody else has, you start feeling insecure. Then fear comes on. You know fear will fuel insecurities. Then your pride will camouflage the insecurities. And then lies will perpetuate it. Lies. Lies.
1: Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. In this live message coming out of Psalm 23, Victor expounds on the traps of conforming back to our old ways as believers that often leave us insecure, empty, and unsatisfied. While it can be easy to become distracted by the world, God promises to give us life more abundantly, so long as we keep our eyes on the Shepherd who keeps us whole. Here's Victor Marks with today's message.
0: By profession, I was a martial arts instructor. That's what I did. And the Lord called us to reach these kids, and it's the most wonderful, hard thing I've ever done. You know what I mean? Well, when I visit these kids, it can be a little nerve-wracking because I visit the kids, the top 3 to 5% of chronic and violent offenders, the kids who rape people, kids who kill people. And uh, the gang members from the Bloods, the Crips, to MS-13s, the ones where society says these kids are so bad, there's nothing else we can do but to lock them up. I've sat with a twelve-year-old girl who killed her mom. I sat with a kid who, fifteen years old, his PTSD was so bad he was still shaking because he hated his dad. They were church-going people, and they'd come to church, but his dad would take him home and beat him, and. The way he decided to get back at his dad was to, to destroy the only thing his dad loved. And he waited till his dad left the house and his mama went to bed and he took a rifle and shot his mom in her head and killed her. He placed a weapon down on the table and called the police and said, I've just killed my mom. I sat with a kid who killed five people. I sat with a kid who at age 13 beat another kid to death with his bare hands and he's been locked up for five years. And guess what? Jesus still loves the little children. All the children. Even the, I call them the little little lambs with tattoos and tough lambs. He come to die for them. See? And the world has thrown them away. And the church has thrown them away too. But I'm telling y'all. The Lord loves them. And God's been doing amazing things in these kids. Because if you get one of these kids saved and filled with God's spirit, now they're dangerous. Now they are very dangerous and the enemy hates them. And that's why a lot of them, believe me, there's prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, bishops sitting in them jail cells as kids. And Satan's doing all he can to keep them hidden. Because he did not want them to make a difference in this world. So the power of what we do is in prayer. We have over 3,000 people at this time praying for us. Every time we go out and do outreaches for these kids. And that's where we see amazing things happen. But when I step in front of them kids to share my story, you know, they're like looking at me. And it's kind of, it was scary, especially my first time. Because people say, how did you get involved? How did you leave? Because we were living in Hawaii. And the Lord called us in ministry, so we had to come to the Mainland. And then we started this. And look, I was 35 years old before I started telling my whole story. Because one, I didn't want to tell it at church. Because I didn't think people believe me or they'd make fun of me or make me feel insecure. And I struggled with that enough in my life. But I went in at them kids and I said, you all been through it. Y'all will believe me. I share. And when I told them, I didn't feel vulnerable. I just felt transparent. And guess what? God was glorified. And when I gave a chance for them kids to respond, 53 of the 75 surrendered their life to Christ that day. that's a complete miracle of God. I didn't have any music. I didn't have dim lights. I just was in a gymnasium, raw and real. And I said, if you feel like God is speaking to you, and God is drawing you to surrender your life, then stand up, just like that. 53 stood up. I was kind of so overwhelmed, I went, wait a minute. Okay, sit back down again. I said, I don't know if y'all understood what I said. That means, I mean, you give up the gang lifestyle. You're going to follow God. You get to be forgiven, That's but you'll be his disciple. You follow him at all costs. It may cost you your life. Because I preached the real gospel, and it's hard following the Lord. 53 stood up. I walked over to the ward and I said, does this happen? I he looked at me and he was crying. He said, Victor, I'm a believer. He said, I've been praying that God would send somebody in to test these kids. He said, that's you. I was like, okay, that's kind of heavy. But amen. And you know how we knew it was the Lord for us to get into this ministry? My wife and I, three months earlier, were on a date night. Date night's good, right, wives? Was that good? Man, you got to date your wives. Look at some of y'all looking at me right now. Hush. Well, we were leaving a mall three months earlier. We were leaving a mall, and a carload of kids pulled up next to me. These gangbangers, you could tell. It's a kind when they pull up to you, you just don't want to look to the right. You just look straight forward. Everything's good. Turn on the worship music loud. And the Lord, I, I, I know He spoke to me. He said, He led me. He led me. To say, tell them kids about me. I said, gosh, Lord, I'm on a date. Well, Come on. So I bumped my horn. My wife, she's a real godly woman. And she rolled down the window and leaned back. And she was pregnant with our fourth baby. And she had a big old bubble belly. And she leaned back and I bumped the horn. I looked down and said, hey, pull over. I want to talk to y'all. And this guy looked at me and he said, I don't to talk. And he turned his music back up. I was like, okay, Lord, thank you. I just was trying to be obedient. Bless your servant right now. And he said, you can do better than that. I bumped the horn. I said, pull over. He said, I ain't pulling over. I said, you afraid of an old man? (laughs) They pulled over like that. And then I followed in my minivan. (laughs) You know, just here we go. And then we pulled off in that parking lot. And I got out the car. They all popped out the car. And they started posturing and coming at me. And I'm like, Lord, what am I going to do now? Tell me, because I was about to get a laying on a hand service right in this parking lot. And I was, I was nervous, but the Lord said, tell him about it. He said, wait, 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 wait. I said, didn't you have a knife in the back seat? Because the guy in the back seat had a big knife. He said, were well, you a cop, man? And I was thinking, hmm, I was a cross guard guy in third grade or something. Does that count? Saying, no, oh, no, I ain't a cop. But I said, I'm a master of martial arts. And I would like to show you how to open and close that the right way. Because it was a balisong knife. It's a Filipino knife and a big one. And he brought it to me. And I took it and started flipping it and twirling it. And I did a little demonstration with it. And, and they were like, wow, that's pretty good, man. I said, I've trained over 30 world champions. I'm a master of martial arts. I said, I've worked with Delta Force, SIL team members, recon rangers. I've even worked with the CIA, training and equipping them with skill sets. They said, wow. I said, but let me tell you the real reason I pulled you over. To tell you about the master I serve. His name is Jesus Christ. And you know what? We use that opportunity right there to present the gospel. And it doesn't matter how people respond. That's not our business. We're just delivering the mail, right? That's all. And go, Lord, whatever you want to do. Guess what? Those three of them, let me pray for them right in that parking lot. These hard kids. And as I was finished praying, they had a friend start to walk up on me. And he had big hair. And he was pretty far away, but he started cussing me. He started screaming and cussing at me. And he was cussing the Bible and he was cussing God. And I said, oh, my goodness, it's going to be a demon service right now. And they actually had to physically grab him and tell him, man, back off. This guy's all right. He's kind of a preacher man. And he's swearing at me. And I said, why are you so angry? He said, I ain't angry. <laughs> All right, Mr. Denial. And you know what? I said, buddy, God loves you. You surrender your life to him. He'll live it through you. He'll take away the anger. God does that. And he stormed off. He didn't want to hear none about it. We left that night and we were really affected, right? And I thought, Lord, man, that kid. And every time I think about it, I pray for him. So... Three months pass. I go into that youth prison. The whole nunchuck deal. The blood. Uh, I give kids an opportunity to receive Christ. Guess who's in the prison? That kid with the big hair screaming at me. He's on the back, back row left. And when I gave an opportunity for them to receive Christ, he raised his hand and stood up. And I walked back there. I was like, good No, yeah. And we hand out Bibles to them kids that day. And... uh and, and they wanted you to sign it, so I put a scripture And I got to him, he, he handed me, he said, you signed my Bible? I said, yeah. I said, uh, you remember me? He goes, yeah. I said, I remember you getting all crazy on me. I said, why today, buddy? Why today? I want to know. He looked at me, he said, man, you said Jesus would live his life through me if I just surrender. He said, I'm tired of living my life for myself. I said, and there you have it. That's a good word, not only for a new believer, but for Christians too, huh? Because sometimes as we walk with the Lord, this world works very hard at trying to conform us to its image. Especially younger people. Hey, I feel sorry for y'all on one hand. Is that okay? Can I say that? Because y'all are encountering issues and challenges and attacks and assaults on your mind and your soul greater than most of us others. Amen? That's on one hand. But the other hand, I don't feel sorry for you at all. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you if you follow the Lord. And you can live beyond what any standard this world sets if you're willing to die to yourself. Or as I like to call it, murder your flesh. But a lot of people don't want to do that. Got to be a remnant where you're willing to. When I stand in front of these kids and I share, and we knew it was the Lord at that point, we see great fruit. Probably our, our second year ministry, we saw over two thousand kids give their life to Christ. And we write these kids. We have thousands of letters at our office. I keep every letter a kid sends to me. We categorize and put in binders, and we pray for these kids. And great things are happening. And we wish y'all would pray for us too. Pray for us because we're going in, and we see great things happen. You guys, something that I I just, I think I want to share with you a little bit out of Psalms 23. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me there? This is a Psalms that most people know even before they become a Christian, amen? Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is the Lord the shepherd of your life? A lot of times when we become Christians, we follow him. For a certain amount of time, then we stop. And then we go back to ways that are more natural to us. Because we don't want to trust the shepherd. And we let the world start to conform us. And we go back to our old ways. And sometimes we start wanting. You know, greed and covetousness is a, a dangerous thing. And I've, I've found oftentimes that when people are covetous of other people's stuff... You know what it causes? Insecurity. Because you don't have something somebody else has. You start feeling insecure. Then fear comes on. You know fear will fuel insecurities. Then your pride will camouflage the insecurities. And then lies will perpetuate it. Lies. A lot of people are insecure. And I grew up being very insecure. So I can speak to this as an expert on the subject but what i don't like to see and it makes me sad and i think it breaks the heart of god is when he sees his children born again believers knowing the word power filled with the holy ghost insecure insecurities really keep people in bondage it's a tool of the enemy and why because it's the fear of man if I don't look a certain way, if I don't have certain stuff, if I don't, then they won't. Re- and, oh. But the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. And it's set by the devil, who is the enemy to your soul. And young people, listen to me. Satan, he studies and stalks you. That's why he has so many demons in a military fashion they're assigned to learn about you find out what will make you insecure fan it to flame and see you get in bondage and sin you think about the morality just in this world but think about it in christianity i mean the statistics are at least 40 percent of the men in church are addicted to pornography ministers Struggling with pornography. That's not God's way. And and I'll tell you something. Christians who don't walk in purity, they don't have real power. Their conscience is not clear. And they can do a lot of stuff. A lot of posturing and, and all camouflaging. But down inside, they're insecure because they know, I'm in bondage to this and it's wrong. And you know, God never beats you over the head. He's not a heavenly father that's waiting to smack you with a hammer. He's a loving, gentle dad who is holy. But he says, come on, son. I got something much better than you for that. For you. And then the girls. My gosh. When did being a virgin for a girl or a guy become a cuss word? You start talking about virginity and purity and it's like you swearing. It, it will make a room full of kids uncomfortable. But yet that's what God requires. He made it. And when I go into the prisons with these kids, and I'm talking to players, and then uh, I talk to a lot of girls who, you know, prostitutes and stuff. When I talking about purity, they start getting shy. Because the holiness of God, they sense. And they know this is what God requires. And I take them to the Ten Commandments. I don't know about y'all. I like the Ten Commandments. It's not outdated for me. It's still in the Bible. And look, we don't live according to the old covenant. It's the new, which is Christ. But I'm telling you, the Ten Commandments are a pretty good plumb line for how we should live our life. One of them says you don't covet. We talked about that. And I talked to the kids. I said, look here. If we could pick out of all the Ten Commandments, one, I want to talk to you about this. Thou shalt not commit adultery or the fornication. You know, the sex before the marriage. Now, how many of you know that's not a popular subject in front of, especially hoodie kids? I go right to it. And I tell them, let's just pretend that everybody in the world was going to obey this one commandment. Everybody. Just, well, make believe everybody. And you know, of course, the guys are going, man, that's kind of restricted, man. Are you kidding me? I go, no, no, just let's think about it. If everybody obeyed that one commandment, there would never be rape. You would never have to experience the horrible knowledge that your mom cheated on your dad. Or that your dad was jumping the fence and sleeping with other women. Your mom would be married to your dad because they're obeying the one commandment. You would have a dad. In your life, to provide, to protect, to correct, and to love you. Let me tell you something. I think the greatest danger to America is not our economic situation, and it's not even terrorism. I think it's the absence of fathers in the home. That's the greatest threat to our nation right now. Because if you think about if every dad was in his role as commanded and ordained by God to be in that home, to be a loving husband and a father... How would our country look different? Amen? Yeah. Kind of quiet. I ain't condemning anybody. I'm just speaking the truth. And then I, I tell them, man, you know what? You'd get married and your wife would always be faithful to you. And you never have to worry about cheating. And guess what? God just might bless your sex. That's right, I said it. Don't be shocked, people. Come on. I, these kids are getting inundated with more stuff. An eighth grader gets more stuff on their smartphone than you as an adult have got all your life as far as knowledge about stuff, including perversion. I, that's why I tell people, some of you need to get rid of your smartphone, just get a dumb phone. Because <laughs> perversions happen. We were in Colorado Springs. And I took my little family to the library. And we walk in. I got five kids. You know, I believe in marriage. Marriage. And we walked into a little old library, and everything's good. My family's over there. And as I walk in, they had the public computers. And I saw a guy, he was looking at pornography right there. And I went, oh, my gosh. And I was kind of stunned. Just hardcore pornography right there. Yeah. And I said, oh, honey, honey, keep walking. I want y'all to go over there. And my wife's like, honey, what are you going to do? I said, just pray. I made my little lap. I come back. I said, uh, <clears throat> hey, buddy. You know I'm shy about stuff like that, right? Hey, buddy. He said, what? I said, you looking at pornography right here in the library. You got to your mind, man? Cut it out. There's women and children in here. He said, leave me alone. It's a public place. I can do what I want. I took another lap. Lord, okay, I don't want to move in the flesh. I want this to be the spirit, but I don't smack this guy right upside his head because <laughs> it's a public place and I can do what I want. Oh, <laughs> so I said, okay. I said, all right, all right. Um, I said, hey, cut it down, man. He said, you leave me alone. I can do what I want here. I said, okay. So I backed up. I said, <clears throat> can I have everybody's attention? This man right here is looking at pornography right now. This pervert is looking at naked stuff in a public library right now. Guess what he did? He freaked out. He, t- he cut it down and he, he started walking out like this. I said, there he goes. Get out of here, you dang pervert. Look here. There's a time and place where men need to stand up for righteousness. And stop being part of the problem. When, when I met my wife, uh, she, and she's a beautiful gal. Let me tell you what, we've been married 22 years now. By the power of God. Never cheated, never been cheated on. One reason, I fear God, but I fear her too. She's a second degree black belt. Believe me. She can throw down. She was Miss Fitness USA. And let me tell you, she loved the Lord. But when we were engaged, my family, who's in the world, in their mindset, said, how is she in bed? Yeah. I said, I don't know. We're not married yet, man. He said, what? You mean you hadn't? Mm. I said, no. I said, we're both Christians. We did the thing in the world, but we're not in the world. We follow the Lord. We're going to wait till we're married. And I had one of my brothers who I've always looked up to, but spiritually, I ain't going to look up to somebody who's leading me away from the things of God. And I said, no, I'm not going to sleep, but I'm going to honor her and wait till we're married. He said, well, how do you know? How do you know you're compatible? That's worldly knowledge right there. That's that's worldly. I said, well, I said, Lord, help me. Because, you know, I'm like, Lord, give me something good. I don't want to just stand here like, I don't know. And the Lord gave me a perfect thing. Within a millisecond, I looked at him and said, buddy, you like nice cars. If we went down to the Ferrari dealership, walked on there, and you picked out the nicest Ferrari, and they said, you can have it. Here are the keys and the title. The only thing is you can't test drive it. I said, would you take it? They said, of course. I said, well, guess what? I know I got me a Ferrari, and I do not have to test drive anything. And he shut up. He said, oh, uh, okay, guess you're still married.
1: Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.